What's everybody? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just happened. I love it. The worst part is what? I know that's going to be saved. What is up, uh, everyone? Guys, my name is Miles Wood Boyer. I'm sitting here with Jared Fincher, who's got a big smile up? on his face because I almost never do that. And no, I just you're that. always perfect on your intros, and now you're not. It's okay. This is a good one for me to be imperfect about because we're talking today about curating and, uh, and uh, pulling down. Yeah. Uh, something that I wish, Jared, you would do in that intro, and I know that you're not going to. Yep. Sorry. Uh, hey, so guys, today's episode is going to be a great one. I can say it's going to be a great one because it's already been recorded, and I can promise you uh, one of the best episodes we've ever had. I'm speaking quickly because I want to get there. We're talking today with Kyle Wilson, who's a good buddy of mine from Narrative, but we're also talking with the founder, CEO of Narrative. Uh, James is with us as well. Y'all, this is an incredible chat, uh, all about the power of calling your images better, the the courage that it takes to uh, to see See, um, to see a gap in the industry or just a problem and, and, and attack that. And then how you as a photographer, as a creative, uh, can do just a better job of communicating your brand, your photos, uh, what you care about, what you love to your clients. Let's click over, Jared. Let's just get right at it. Before, like, before we go any deeper, James, Kyle, like, tell us really quickly who, who y'all are, where you guys are, um, I'm assuming some people have, maybe this is the first time they've ever listened to this podcast. And if so, this is a great episode to jump in on. So y'all um, give us a little bit of context about who we're talking to today. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. I'm super excited to chat with you. And I think like uh, just the conversations we've been having uh, directly and through Carl, like uh, I can just see that like you also are a visionary and it's kind of obvious that you've got like a whole group of uh, like following um who, who just want to like learn from you which is so cool um yeah so about me um uh, my name's james james broadbent i am the ceo and founder of narrative you a lot of people know about us because we launched um a blogging tool back in 2018 which is used by thousands of photographers around the world um and more recently we've launched a product called select which assists photographers in the process of um, finding the best images from a photo shoot. And um, we're going to talk about this a lot today, but it leverages AI um, to assist you in that process in, um, in finding those best images. So my, um, my background, I was um, a wedding photographer myself. I shot under a brand called Chase Wild. Um, I built kind of this very international um, brand where I shot weddings in like 13 different countries. I think some of my highlights were like, um, four day wedding in India where we shot on like the camels in the desert. Um, somehow managed to get to, um, number one in um, SEO for the Faroe Islands because I guess no one was trying to rank for there. And so I've shot there like a handful of times. And I love to tell the story about like the third time I shot a wedding in the Faroe Islands. I just turned up and like went to my hotel and ordered a pizza, shot the wedding and then flew out the next day. Cause I was just like <laughs> over it. <laughs> um, which is kind of the story is maybe how I sort of led into starting narrative, which was, you know, like I, I've reached this point in my career and I was, no longer seeing problems in my business, but I was seeing problems in everyone's business. Um, spending so much time thinking about like, you know, how to 
you know, be the best photographer I can, how to build the best business I can. And it just so happened that all of these problems and experiences that I was experiencing, so many other people were as well. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I just had this, like, <laughs> I don't know, deep calling to like, go <laughs> I knew nothing about software and I've, um, built this software, um, company, which is like, you know, uh, used by photographers in 160 countries by tens of thousands of photographers around the world. Um, and it's a bit of a, like a bit of a crazy story, but this is where we are. <clears throat> Dude, shout out to the Faroe Islands. <laughs> Seriously. You should go. Everybody's Googling. Where is that? <laughs> very small island. Very hard to get to. If you miss, if you miss Reykjavik, and you're about to run out of gas, you can land and that's it. That's the only way to get there. Yeah. Um, man, by the way, that's a long way from New Zealand, James. Um, <laughs> that says something, my man. Like, it was, you, you managed to rank on the other side of the planet. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, we had this, um, this blogging tool that was quite successful at assisting an SEO. <laughs> there you go. There's a plug right there. Okay, I love it. All right, Kyle, hot seat. Welcome. Sit. Your turn, dude. Let's go. Man, that was that's gonna be really hard to follow. Yeah, beat that. Uh, beat my that. Name is, I know, right? My name is Kyle. Uh, I've been a full time wedding photographer for about a decade now, but in the industry for even longer than that because my dad was a photographer when I was like fourteen. So I've been around it since I was a teenager. Um, I live in Chicago, but my business Hinterland Stills is based out of Seattle. I was there for a couple of years, similar to James, um, really focusing on a brand that shot weddings all over the world. I was not ranking in the Faroe Islands, unfortunately. I was ranking in some Oregon spaces and some Iceland spaces, but not the Faroe Islands. Um, But yeah, photographed uh, weddings in maybe like eight or nine countries or something like that and um, found myself in some pretty cool circles of people just really, really fortunate throughout my entire career to be in rooms like this one with people who are so incredible and such visionaries in this creative space and said, we're not going to photograph the same way it's always been done. We're going to constantly be changing that. And yeah, uh, that continues to lead me to places like narrative where James and I connected and I got to using this incredible application that this company makes and was like, Oh my gosh, more people need to be doing this. More people need to know about this, this product. And so here I am. Dude, I love it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away that Jared and I get to sit in in this room with you guys because it's this is going to be a little bit of a different episode uh, than what a lot of ours are, in the sense that I, th- I think in the past we've had a lot of people in here um, that the goal was to really interview and like tell their story, and that's a that's a special thing. That's like, that's a beautiful thing, right? And and there's something really special about just sitting back and hearing Allison Conklin tell her story, just hearing Jonas Peterson tell his story, but. But this episode, you guys, I was I, I really want to walk away with like actionable advice, like actual tips, because I know the photographers that are listening to this, a big part of our listener base are starting to come at us week after week, whether in the training programs or in the community and basically say like, hey, we want to get better. And, and I feel like this is, this is a group of guys, um, all, all four of us really, that have a heart for getting the industry better, like healthier in general, but also like more efficient, more creative, more capable. Um, so like James, tell us really quick, if you don't mind, back us up. Cause you just sort of like lightly hinted at this, but tell us how, how you just decided 
I'm assuming this wasn't a light switch moment for you, but how you decided to start narrative because it, this is a pretty disruptive program, um, especially in 2018. There wasn't anything even remotely like this. So where where does that come from for mm, you? Yeah, yeah. I think like I've always just been an incredibly solutions focused person. Like so, when I see problems, I don't see problems. I see solutions. Um, and like the funny thing about the beginning of the story of narrative is that I wasn't planning on being the person who built the solution. I just envisioned a solution to the problem of like the painful process of building long form photo blog posts. And I had this whole vision about how like we should take it offline. It's this iterative process where you like need to be deeply interlinked to Lightroom so that you can like edit a photo you know, and iteratively build this beautiful blog post. It's your portfolio piece. It's not like your f- group of images that you deliver to your client. You need to like, um, yeah, like you're building something which is going to like generate your work. And so you're constantly like moving images between Lightroom and this blog post. And I wanted to create a product which had that like deep connection between the two um, and enabled this process of storytelling, which is where the name narrative came from um and uh, to be honest actually what happened was i went out and i emailed a bunch of software companies that i really really loved and respected and i said this product needs to exist and they all said to me oh sorry we're busy with other stuff and i was just like oh fuck it they're not gonna do it then (laughs) you're like look at me now (laughs) i'm gonna do it um he for what it's worth james used to have a microphone and he dropped it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> Look at me now. No, but yeah, it's like a, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's an incredibly risky thing, you know, like I spent probably like what most people would spend on the deposit of a house kind of like trying to get the company off the ground, you know, and I, and I bootstrapped it from the beginning, um, to build our early versions to publish. And it was crazy because like, I just, I was solving this problem for the, you know, the photographers I knew. And I remember, very early on being like, man, if we could sell like, you know, 500 licenses, then we can make our money back. Like that would be cool. And then we announced publish. And in the first week we had 5,500 people sign up and use the product in the first week. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) not thinking big enough from there. You know, we brought that product to market and, you know, it's used by tens of thousands of photographers who have, you know, it's been amazing for them. And it became pretty clear to me that, um, you know, there were just so many other areas of the professional photographer's workflow where we can, like, um, continue to um, improve and assist photographers. And, like, the big, big, big area where I had so much, like, pain in the process was just photo selection. It's, you know, it would take me – I'm a, like, I'm a real heavy shooter. I hate to miss a moment and people – when they describe my work, it's, they talk about it being very like organic and natural and like people just catch it in, in like in the moment. Um, I just, I, I believe that people look their best when they have fun. And so I take, I take my couples out and we just have a whole lot of fun, but you know, to capture those beautiful moments, your shutter kind of in reality, it needs to be going. Cause when someone laughs, you're going to get nine photos where they look kind of weird and one where they look freaking awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I'd spend a day like trolling through these images, just like, you know, there's obviously a better way to do this. And, you know, like most startups, generally what happens is like 
there's some someone who has this vision about what the future could be and is this intersection of a problem and a new technology. Um, you know, it's a story of like, you know, the app store had just released when Uber came about, you know, um, you know, like with cloud computing, it was like the cost of servers was starting to re- reduce, you know? So there's this intersection of this new technology and this problem, which is AI. And it just so happens, you know, AI is very on trend now because of open AI and the likes of um, ChatGPT and Midjourney and all that kind of stuff. But we were sort of thinking about this like, you know, three years ago when we first started building the first um, versions of Select. And I could see that, like, there were so many opportunities to assist the photographer in this process. And that word assist is, like, so crucial to our vision around this process. Like, I so deeply believe that the process of image selection is, like, human creative process that an AI can't do, it can't automate, it can't know what you want. Um, and so all of our like features around um, assistance with the photographer through AI are um, really to enable you to find your best images as quickly as possible and ensure that you're coming away with a selection that is as good as if you would have done it yourself, but in way less time and way less painful. Mm, okay. I, I love this. I think you just, you just brought up like so many different talk tracks because, well, one, this is what you do. Uh, I, I mean, you can tell though how passionate you are about this. So, so let me ask then, if you don't mind, let me ask Kyle, because Kyle, I know you, you this, this whole journey with narrative for you is fairly recent, but as a wedding photographer, like you fought your way, you've been in the trenches of culling images for you said like the last 10 years, right? I know you and I spoke about this on on your on your podcast last week. Um but talk to me through the the headache for you of calling. Like what is what is that process for you? Because I know for me it's extreme. So like I want I want to hear from another photographer what that yeah, looks like. We you you really nailed uh, a really great terminology for it last time we talked, which was photo fatigue. And I've used that same same terminology with my clients before in a different lens, which was, oh, I don't want to photograph, you know, you guys for an hour straight on your wedding day. You'll get you'll get fatigued from being in photos. But I've never really put the terminology to the back end process. I've just felt it. And for me, it's, you know, when I was traveling every week and I was on a flight and I was just kind of catching sleep at the airport and I'm busting through a wedding in Oregon on one day and a wedding in New York on the next and then getting home and trying to process all those before I have to do the same thing the following weekend while also balancing my very normal life. Um, the idea that the creative part, the fun part for me, which is getting into Lightroom and actually working through these images to get to the deliverable product, the thing at the very end where I get to send the link, which for me is the absolute best part. Really, the rest of the process is just getting to that ability to share it, whether that be on social media or to the client and get that external validation, which makes me feel really good. But to get to that requires so much in the trenches, like you said, it requires me sitting in a coffee shop by myself somewhere in the middle of like Denver to call through photos and just look through these things. And the way that I had done it in the past was not really honoring my clients in the best way, which was just trying to grin and bear it and get through it and trying to find the ways to eliminate um, extra tasks and automation processes throughout. So 
really early on, I looked into getting CSMs and adopting something like Tave, which is going to automate so many of my emails and my contracts and billing and all the things that I really don't want to be dealing with. So that at least I can take some of that energy and bring it back to the calling process. But throughout all that and feeling the wear down of it and the tiredness of doing that, you know, 20, 30, 40 weddings a year. At the beginning of the year, love is love. And it's so amazing. But by the end of the year, I'm like, I hope you get divorced. I hate this day. It's the worst. I don't want to do it anymore. And my tonality towards like romance and the thing that I love about my job starts to change every year. And it really comes down to sitting and staring at images and not doing the fun part of editing. And so calling was always this thing up until a product like, you know, one of our competitors or select or something like that to start taking a part of that fatigue away so that I can really focus in on the thing that matters, which is creating a gallery for my clients that trusted me with their day. Yeah. I I ask you that because it it occurred to me, Jared, I know you and I have talked about this a handful of times um, because Jared and I partner really closely on our editing process uh, for, for our clients. But my biggest fear, and I'm not, I'm I'm not exaggerating when I say this, you guys, this is dead serious. Here we go. Let's get deep. My biggest fear in this industry is that my award-winning image, like my earth changing, career shifting, industry affecting image, um, I miss it because I'm calling so quickly and so unemotionally that, that I, I just, I fly through files and it was this moment for me where I realized a few years ago, I remember I took this workshop that was like, it was like the four hour wedding or some, one of those, it was a joke. It was an absolute, and if you hosted that workshop, you know who, you, shame on you. Because it was like this idea of like, hey, you know, you get back from a wedding and you're going to plug your cards in and 90 minutes later, you're going to deliver your photos and done. And so, but it all relied on this idea of like instinct, just, just trust it, go as fast as you can. It doesn't matter. Uh, there's, there's always going to be more weddings. But what happens when you miss that one frame? Like that one image, like for me, I, I'll, I'll say it. I, I took this one photo in Turks and Caicos underwater with a couple that was like clinging to a life, uh, a, a life preserver. Um, and we have barracuda swimming around our feet and we're in a storm swell and there's a whole story to it. But there was just this one frame that was perfectly in focus and the rest of them were out. And if I was calling quickly, I would have missed it. And so... James, I guess, like, I'd love to know, man, before we even talk specifics about how Select helps solve that process, how do you get past, as, a, as an award-winning photographer, like as a, as a world-recognized photographer, how do you get past the fear of the coal? Yeah, and I think one of the things I was just thinking when you were speaking as well is like, one of, I think one thing that photographers don't talk about through education, and I used to talk about this a lot in my workshops, is actually how calling is an art. And it's not just a process that you need to like tick a box. And I truly believe that the difference between a good photographer and a great photographer is the images that they select from that, that like group of images. And, you know, especially when we talk about the way that we like to shoot, which is like two people underwater clinging onto a life preserver, or, you know, maybe just a couple people running through a field with some flowers or something like that. There's so many moments in there. And each of those photos tells such a different story about like who those people are and what kind of relationship they have and what they're doing. And really like, you know, the best um, uh, group of photos to deliver to your client is the least amount of images that perfectly represent that day or that story or that, um, you know, whatever it is that you are capturing because, um, 
repetition is boring and you lose the impact of, you know, each photo and the power it holds by having like five photos that are nearly the same. And so the way that you may have delivered the most impactful um, uh, group of images to your client gallery is by having like a very, very um, small group of photos and each photo needs to be like, dramatically different to the one before it so as that your client looks through their photos each time they land on a new photo they're like wow (laughs) and then they're like wow (laughs) and then they're like wow (laughs) and they're not like oh it's like the last one but a little bit different um and you've heard that expression so many times like less is more and it's so true when it comes to your gallery like I truly believe that like you should be delivering the the smallest amount of photos that you can, but doing that is really hard. And like, you know, you're talking about decision fatigue or what what did you call it um, earlier, Carl? Calling fatigue. Yeah. And you just get bored and you're like, I don't, I don't want to be doing this anymore. And so this is where like AI becomes so powerful because you've got this tool, which basically is, um, you know, d- designed to recognize patterns. That's what it is in, in kind of at its core center. And there are so many parts of the culling process which are laborious and repetitive and they drain that creativity that you have. And this is like, when we talk about like our company vision and direction, this is like, this is the thing which we talk about, which is basically there are these parts of the photographer's workflow that are so painful that they like, they inhibit the photographer from, from being the best version of themselves. And we want to remove those repetitive, laborious, painful parts of it so that you can focus on, um, yeah, the, the parts of your work, which really like distinguish who you are, which make your work amazing. And so kind of like to lead into where you are going to go from that is like, well, what does that mean for select? And then what it means is like, there are all parts of the photo shoot where, um, you know, you could have pretty high trust that it can make a good suggestion about what's good. And so for people who haven't used the product before, um, we've built this whole concept of um, rank ordering groups of images or scenes of images, um, like which is a, um, a group of photos, a group of images with a single desired output. And we try and put the better images first and the worst images at the bottom. Um and with the least amount of clicks possible, you should have a quick view of the images that you would most likely probably want from this scene. And it's like at least half of your day is like photos where, you know, you're probably optimizing for someone who is a really great expression, um, who, you know, looks good, has obviously eyes open focus um, and all those other bits and pieces that um, important um, for an image, but then there's a large portion of photos as well where all those things go out the window. Um, all the technical rules about what makes a photo great uh, don't apply, and you've got a couple underneath the water holding onto a life preserver. Um, and there's like six photos where they're completely out of focus, but man, it really tells this cool story. And so, the way in which we've designed Select is to empower you to like switch between those different modes of choosing like in this scene i know that like what it's going to suggest is going to be what i want but in this scene i know that there's so much movement there's so much mayhem going on i want to tell a story of like something completely different and so you have like the freedom and the power to kind of like move through the lower parts of that scene where 
something a little what the AI might think is more undesirable, but you believe is might be. And so you kind of like you have the full control and choice to um, to operate in those modes at you know at any given time throughout that photo shoot. And so you know, like working through all those portraits that people like ask you throughout the shoot, just like, you know, whatever, smiling, looking at the camera, easy. It's like the suggestion it makes is probably going to be, um, you know, what I want to, the one I want to select. And we don't do that selection process for you. We don't add the star rating for you because in the end, you you know, you spend just as much time unrating photos that you don't want um, as, as you would Um otherwise and so we want to give you that full control so that's kind of does that kind of answer <laughs> no, that was really good. what you're saying I, just, I remember when we first got select miles and we were working through it like trying to figure out like how it would work for us and i think like the i don't know if it's like the ai word that people connect with and they think it's going to be like a one click kind of wonder it's like oh this is ai this will take this completely off my plate but i think you hit it uh, the nail on the head james when you said uh, I mean, it's a tool, you know? And I think when we started seeing it like that, like this is a tool that we have like in our tool bag that we can use for our editing. It like changed the game. It's not a one-click wonder, but it saves a ton of time when you take the time to customize it and get it to kind of work for your workflow. Uh, I also thought that was a really good point about just, because I found myself in that boat of just, editing a ton of images and delivering a ton of images because it's just easier to just send them everything and then let them kind of call through them after you've edited them. But to actually take the time to kind of go with the less is more and the impact that comes with that. And then to have a tool like select help you get there. Uh, I just think it, it, it's huge. It's been a game changer for us for sure. I think about like even just the features beyond scenes this light has to offer, if I were to go back eight or nine years, I was already trying to think of how can I take these 30 images of this family portrait group and just stack them in Lightroom? Can Lightroom automatically do this for me? Because I don't need, I would love to chunk this up through the day. And that singular feature alone to say, okay, here's, here's 10 images of mom and dad and the brother and the sister. And we don't need to like look at every single one today because more than likely there's a couple that you need to see. And without an app, like select or some other tool, it's been, how can I, how can I do that in some other kind of more functional way? Maybe I'm only going to take five photos every day I shoot. I'm only going to click through five, five will get what I need. And I know that kind of internally, or can I change some settings in Lightroom? And it's something I sought for years and years and years and touching on the point about like less is more. I think if any of one of us could probably pull back a gallery of ours from the first two or three years, we'd see that we were probably delivering maybe triple the number of images that we are now. I know I can look back through and see like ring pillows and be like, why am I delivering six photos of the rings on the pillows? There just needs to be one. And it's an insecurity. It's going, man, I don't really know that if the calling that I'm doing is very good, if these images are very good, I'm new in this industry. I'm obviously trying to chase the likes of these other photographers who I'm inspiring or inspired by. Um, But my own insecurity said, well, if I'll just, you know, I'll deliver all of them. And like you said, Jared, like deliver all of them, let the client figure it out. That's fine. And as I grew as a photographer learning and going, you know what, actually I'm I'm not giving a really great experience to my client by giving them too many photos of themselves to look at. They can become fatigued by just looking at photos of themselves. Um, So just a singular tool like scenes, I think is, 
incredibly powerful and something I was looking for a decade ago. And it, it took a long time to get here. Yeah, I I want to point out because I want us to really get into sort of the like you know advice from you guys here. I think that's I think it's really important that we that we get there. But I want to point out um, <clears throat> maybe the the key difference. Jared, you touched on on this just a few minutes ago. There's this like hot button topic right now called AI, right? Ninety um, percent of us, I would say probably more than that, listeners. Ninety five percent of all of us assume that we have any idea what the heck that means. Um, we and so in like in our minds, we we're going everywhere from like Jonas's uh, you know mid journey things of like the old people, and then we're we're cross crossing that over into like 90s sci-fi movies of like robots taking over the world. And there's just all, yeah, literally. And there's just all of these preconceived notions here. But but here's what I want to point out. This is number one. This is not an advertisement, you guys. This this is just a straight up episode. So this is this this episode is not being brought to you by narrative. Um this is just an open conversation because what I want to have here is is something that I can say, like as a photographer, point out. I've used a number of different culling softwares, both that either represent themselves as being AI integrated and that do not. Um, and the difference that I love, James, and I, I just want you to hear this, like from a person in the industry publicly, the difference that I love is that you have built this program or your team has built this program um, with the intention on uh, of the artist retaining the, the decision-making power. Um, your, your, key, your key competitor, um, the very first time that I, that I used the, the, their software, it went through and it decided for me which images were great and which were not. And I will be as blunt about this as I possibly can. It was wrong by about 80%. And I realized in that, in that moment how flawed the art that I love is um, and how much my clients have embraced that in me. And, and if I were to just chase AI down from a, from a per- perfection perspective, it would change everything about who I am artistically. Um, and so... I, like I said, I, I kind of want to get into the the advice here because I think what what we can what we can agree to then is that narrative in general, but but really, James, you driving this ship, you, you've got the artist's uh, best interests at heart. It seems like you're, you're kind of like art first. So then, talk to us as artists, as creatives. How how can we whether we're using Select or we're using another program or we're just using Lightroom or we're using Bridge. I don't know. How can we, God forbid, you're using Bridge in 2023, <laughs> by the way. Um, I know a couple but, of people still using Bridge, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's a joke. Anyway, um, how can we as photographers like sift through these thousand images or 2,000 images or 5,000 images and and truly learn to start curating our images around our brand. What what are the processes there that you would suggest? I'll talk about brand. Um, and because brand is something I used to talk a lot about in, in my workshops as well. And I think people don't really know what that means when they say it. They Well, they might know what it means, but they might not know how to describe it. And, it, you know, brand is really just like, 
a look and feel that's you know specific to you but how do you curate it how do you create it like is, is it just something that arrives or is it something that you always knew was going to be there or like you know how do you create a new brand um you know do you just copy somebody else and then just change bits and pieces or you know and when it comes to the kinds of photos that you're selecting like it's a huge huge part of it it's going to massively impact you know your brand your look your feel is that, am i choosing photos of people where they're like yeah i, I um if, if you were like focused on a market that was like very high-end um working alongside um, some of the best wedding planners in the world, then you, you would probably have clients who wanted images that were more like glamorous and like beautiful um, posed portraits because that is kind of what that audience loves and wants. Um, or is it your brand more focused around, you know, like my kind of stuff, which is natural organic moments. And all of those things exist within um, uh, just the images that you shot within the day, but it comes down to which ones you select to sort of like show that brand. And the one piece of advice that I say to people when they're trying to establish their brand, like their, their look, their feel, their editing style, all of those kinds of things, is that um, once you find something that you love, that you've done, like a unique or special moment, maybe it's the way that you edited a photo, you framed it, anything like that, just do it again and do it again and do it again. And you'll get so good at doing that one thing that you'll be like the best person at creating that particular like style or moment. Um, you know, we did like loads and loads of these like photo shoots up in the mountains in New Zealand. And like there were certain ways that we used the light and certain times that we would shoot and it would produce like this yeah, there's these photos which people would say like, oh, when I see a Chase Wild photo, I just know it's a Chase Wild photo. Um, and then you, you like, yeah, you just perfect that, that one particular thing. Um, and so that's what it comes down to is just like find something that you've created and just do it again and again and again and again and again and again. And that's like, think about any art. That's kind of like what it is. Think about, you know, your favorite artist. They didn't just like off the hand paint this like phenomenal portrait that ended up in like um a gallery they did like five thousand paintings before that that were probably actually quite similar to that you know the one that they're super famous for um and that's really what i think about um building a brand and a look and a feel looks like when it when it comes to being a photographer um, yeah, so the, the process of selection, really, it starts in the planning of your photo shoot, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and then it follows all the way through. You need to kind of have a vision of what you're, what you're wanting to capture. Um, yeah, and you, you plan that out. Um, and so then the second piece, which we were asking about is like, technically, how do you kind of like bring that to life? And, um, I think, you know, yeah, what you what you said about select really um, trying to like enable the photographer and the creativity that they have is so crucial to how we've created it. And ultimately, we want people to be able to engage with the AI part to a level that they feel comfortable. Um, for it could be for a particular scene or for a whole photo shoot. And honestly, there are some people who just use select because it's insanely fast. Like you can get your photos in there and within three seconds you're viewing your whole photo shoot. You just can't do that with the Lightroom. So it's like, it's the best way to just like see your photos. Um, there's some people who just use 
like the eye indicators um, and the eye indicators are really cool because they understand like the context of the photo and what's going on. If there would be an acceptable case where, you know, it would be okay to have your eyes closed because you're like intimately close to another person that understands those kinds of things. You know, some people just use the focus indicators. Um, some people are obsessed with the close-ups panel. And so like there are all these kind of little, um, uh, yeah, features or elements of the product which enable you to engage with it in, in the way that like, allows you to, to, to um, yeah, exemplify your style and find the images that you want. Would you add to that, Kyle? I'm sure you've got some. I mean, we didn't mention this earlier, but Kyle's like taught more workshops than I have. Um, and he's, yeah, thinks a lot about this stuff. Yeah, I think I have a, an interesting history in it because I, I I had begun with a studio here in the Chicagoland area and I was working and owning and came on board to own it, um, doing about 50 or 60 weddings a year in kind of areas more that like were golf courses and the suburbia and just, you know, trying to make a golf course look like not a golf course. Um, and then I said, OK, I'm. I'm going to move to Seattle. I'm going to, I'm going to change this up. I'm going to try to be cool Benj and Jordan. And I'm very publicly a Sam Hurd fanboy <laughs> through and through. Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's called me out on it in person. <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, and I, but along the way, I really figured out that I could try to be Sam Hurd. I could try to be James. I could try to be Miles. I could be try, try to be Jared, but I'll, I'll always be the second best Sam or the second best James or something like that. I'll never be able to really be that unless I decide whatever my own is going to be. And I think along that process of figuring out what my brand is going to be, there's, there's kind of two brands that happen in my opinion. There's my external brand for clients that haven't booked me and also photographic industry um, workshops and that whole uh, revenue stream. And then there's also the not necessarily internal brand, but the brand that the client actually receives their products from. And I think years ago at some workshop, I think it was Dylan actually, like the first Heck Yeah Photo Camp talked about, he's like, here's some jumping images. Here's the, the entire bridal party doing a big jump photo. And he goes, I think these are stupid, but I got paid and I'm going to take these and I'm going to deliver these. And, and it was kind of in that moment that I realized, oh, there's a bunch of photos on the wedding day that my little pretentious nose in the air self might think is dumb and I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it and it's going to get delivered to the client and it's going to be a photo that they love and they're going to plaster it wherever they want. But I have my own other brand that I get to curate, which is my Instagram feed and the blogs and the wedding features that I get to put together and build and say, this is what, these are the clients that I want more of every year. Maybe if I have 25 weddings, I get 10 ideal clients and then the rest are just great wedding clients, but I don't expect all of them to be that way. But I just want the next year there to be 11 clients instead of 10. And for me, that looks like if you go on my Instagram, you'll rarely find a photo of like a couple smiling or being super happy. That's just not the brand and the way that I personally view romance through my lens and the narrative that I want to build with my clients. But that's not to say when they view a full gallery, there's tons of photos of the clients super happy and bubbly and smiley and giggling and jumping because that's what a wedding day is. It's a beautiful party. Kyle doesn't believe but in happy love. This, <laughs> nope. Zero um, joy. I think that uh, my really Why short so version serious? is, I think love is a spectrum and I think way over here is really happy and you're so stoked and you're running down the aisle after your wedding and you're just high on life. And then there's the other end where you and your partner are working through things and your partner's parents pass away or something and you're there to support them. And it's this different kind of um, love language. And I just like to take photos that till a little bit more towards that end of the, the love spectrum. And so that's what I choose to showcase and advertise. But 
it's getting to that and going, okay, I can be inspired by and motivated by these other photographers, but I can't let the sum of my work be dictated entirely by another photographer and what they do and how it impacts my branding. That looks really good. Kyle, I ask you, is there a place for those other photos in your brand? Like, would you include some of the smiley stuff like in a blog opposed to like your, your um, feed? I get a little bit more... Um, less critical around a blog. Uh, something early on that happened was, you know, the the simple concept of like, you will shoot what you show, but you also will not shoot what you don't show. And so I wanted photos in Iceland. So I went to Iceland and I made photos happen because without them, I'm not going to book any of that work. And so similarly, if there's a wedding day and everything about the photo is like a nine out of 10 for me, but I really don't like I don't like that bouquet. I'm notorious for handy bouquets. I really don't like that bouquet. I I don't want to show people that I'm like a really great bouquet photographer because I don't want more of those. So it's probably never going to see the light of day. And so for me, what that looks like is if I shoot 25 weddings, maybe two or three make their way to a blog. I'm really, really, really particular. And that's just how I've chosen to do it. This kind of reminds me of the conversation, uh, Miles, that you were having with Carl a couple of weeks ago, where you have like a whole process around um, like labeling images through the selection process about like where you're going to use them. And I think like, yeah, it's like um, maybe you, you can reiterate it yourself, maybe. But it was like, you know, for photos that you're going to deliver, it's one star. For photos that you're going to use in the sneak peek, it's two stars. For photos that are going to go on social, it's three and four. Is like this is going to go on my portfolio piece of my blog or something like that. Um, and I think, yeah, a process really assists you if you want to kind of have that approach that Carl is describing. Where, yeah, like right, you don't want to. People always say to me like, ah, oh, I find it so hard to like you know, do my social media. Like, where, where do you find time to do that? And I'm like, I'm doing that when I'm doing selection. And then that's when that part of the process happens. And then when I export the photo shoot, I just do an additional export into a separate folder, which is synced through a Dropbox, turns up on my phone automatically. Um, you know, it's not any extra work at all, actually. I'm glad to know that we do that yeah. the same way. I have a, an infinitely huge folder called Online Share Queue yeah. that things just get pushed to, and I have it on my phone, and it's accessible, so I can post at twelve thirty or whatnot. But I, I think it, I think it's a remarkably um, it's one of those moments. I, I hope that listeners, I hope you guys are catching this. You guys have heard me say that in what probably three quarters of our episodes that the the enemy of creativity is efficiency. Um, that the moment you you commit your entire business around being as efficient as you can, you you can no longer call yourself an artist, because because art shows up when processes break down. Um, not you know you, if all you ever do is shoot at sunset, it, it's not art anymore. It it just isn't. It, art shows up then on the rain day, where you pull something out that you weren't expecting to. Um, but I love so much that what, what you guys are speaking to right now is that it's okay then to create downstreams of efficiency where, where the softwares that you're using or the businesses that you're partnering, partnering with or the other brands that are supporting you are helping you be efficient so that you don't have to be. It, it, you know, like Select helps me, helps me, him in this process. So it's like, let me just get the culling process um, handled so so that I can get back to the art. Because Kyle, I know you mentioned, and I love this so much, you just nonchalantly mentioned, like you can't wait to get into the editing bay. You want to see oh, the man. art come yeah. alive, right? I'm so Dude. stoked to get it and make it. And I'm, I, listen, I, I, 
I thought that about myself for years. Jared's smiling right now because he knows that it's like, no, dude, I want to put the camera back in my hands. And so, so we had to decide, design a workflow for my business that, that allowed me to get the least number of photos edited as possible so that I could, I could get a, a vision out there. I could create a process. I could create a concept and then pass that to Jared and say like, hey, dude, I'm so grateful that you have the capacity and the ability to take my vision and make that a reality so that I can get a camera back in my hands because my process starts with the camera. Um, because for me, it's, it's the people. It's like, I, I, need, I need time public facing with, with, with the humans. That's where yeah. the art comes. So ultimately, I'll say this. Let's, let's jump in. Let's, let's move forward. But I'll say this. I think what I love so much is that we can all agree to the fact that um, the culling process is probably the, I'll say it, I think it's probably the most critical. Let's replace the word cull for curate. It's the most critical process in growing your the value of your business. The work that you are showing to your clients defines who you are as an artist, whether you're overshowing or you're undershowing, um, or you're just flat out picking the wrong photos. It's very much the doorway that leads to all the other doorways. Once my photo is taken, that's that's done. It's it's in the memory card. I'm off on my adventure now. That's I can't go back. I can't repeat the day. I can't recreate an image. So once I'm in the culling bay, like that is now the many hallway options that I'm open to of what do I want to do with this day? What's it going to look like for clients? What's it going to look like for my business? What's it going to look like for my future business? What's it going to look like for publications, et cetera, et cetera. So, so here's where I want to go then, because I love, I, I love that we can agree to that. I just, I think just that you guys, I'm serious. I think just that is something that, that the industry needs to hear. It just needs to hear people coming together, not in their head and saying like, Okay, yeah, uh, curating is important. Um, so let's let's go further though. Let's let's talk about the this itch that you scratched, maybe even unintentionally, James. Because I would bet that there's a lot of listeners, a lot of photographers in here that see other gaps in the industry, just like you did, right? Um, things like um, like me speaking to the fact that like now Jared has helped me take on editing, but Jared also is an absolutely brilliant sound engineer. So I've never had to learn how to edit a, a, a podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think the next big step, the next big uh, you know sunset in the industry is going to be photographers who have the audacity to see other gaps in the industry and the courage to fill those gaps. Um, so talk me through that. Give us a pep talk here because I think all of us, just, just the pep talk that you started out with, um, and, and whatever you told your team this morning, like give us some encouragement because I think people are, are scared to death to jump out and try hard things. Yeah. Well, okay. So the first thing that I realized through this process was that I thought that just because I was having this idea, everyone was having this idea and um, the reality is it's not the case. Like there might be a handful of other people who have the same insight that you have about this solution that you want to build to this problem. Um, um, but <laughs> they're not going to do it. <laughs> you know, in fact, there's, there's a lot, there, maybe there are more people thinking about it, but the ex- number of people who are actually going to get off their seat and do something about it is next to no one. Um, and so I was afraid to like go out and 
you know, I talked about how I spoke to um, some of the early software companies, but I was afraid to go out and like, you know, just talk about it amongst communities or photographers or like anyone. Cause I was like, they're going to take my idea, but like, no one's going to take your idea. No one cares about it as much as you do if you're really like thinking about it a lot. And so like the first piece of advice I would give is actually you should start talking to everyone about it because you're going to learn so much through that process. You need to understand like how other people think about it. You need to like work out how you're going to, um, you know, like ever, I mean, one of the really big surprising factors for me early on when I say it now, it sounds dumb, but I thought, you know, like everyone had a workflow like me <laughs> um, and they don't. And I have, I'm so much more meticulous about my workflow and specific and detailed than a lot of other people. Are. And so you just need to like learn as much as you can. And the only way that you do that is just like, it's just start talking to everyone. And like up front, you can actually become a thought leader in this space before you even like launch the product. Like, whatever it is, the area for the problem that you want to solve, like the more that you can become like a respected person that people look to and are like, I want to know what that person thinks. Like when you launch that product, they're going to be like, man, he knows more about, he or she knows more about that thing, like more than anyone else does. And so obviously I'm going to want what it is that they're building. Um, so yeah, that would be my first advice. And like people want to hear people talk about the problems they have. So, you know, like started TikTok focused at photographers on this one problem or topic and talk about, you know, the best way to solve it now. And then, you know, if it's a technical product that you need to build, you know, it might take you six months to get an engineer to actually ship something. And all of a sudden you can be like, oh, we've actually got a better way to do this now. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I would approach it. As a, you know, if you want to kind of take the journey into becoming a founder, there's one thing you need to be really, 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 really good at. And that's just storytelling, like selling someone on a vision of like how you're going to change the future. Um, and it comes down, like it's so important when you want to like employ people because you, you're bringing them along on this journey. If you want to raise venture capital, you need to sell them on this vision of kind of like how the future will be different. And that's what it like. I kind of think about my role first and foremost is, is like, yeah, it's just like storyteller. It's this visionary. Um, my role is like a sales role in some senses. I need to get buy-in from everyone that like what James thinks <laughs> is probably what the future will be like. And we can be the, we can be the catalyst to actually make that happen. Um, and that's how, you know, like, we literally have like the best AI engineers working in our company, like some of the best AI engineers in New Zealand. We've got like some of the best software engineers and we have like, we actually have a tiny team. People don't realize this, but um, it's just like I've been able to just get the best in class working on this product. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I would start the process. And, you know, another um, really big learning for me through going through this process is um, you want to ship product as early and as often as you possibly can. Like we always talk about like, how do we like, how do we test this concept as quickly as possible? Because as soon as you create something, you realize, oh, it's not quite right. Like, 
you know, you don't, you can't understand every single user and how they're going to engage with your feature or your product or the thing that you're building. Um, and so how do you, with the least amount of work possible, kind of like test this theory you have about how you can change the future? And you need to like, you know, understand obviously what the core of the thing that you're changing is, you know, and for us, it's like, it was like, you know, assistance with AI partnering with a photographer and the way that we like first tested this with photographers, like our very, very, very first vision of the app, which we didn't publicly release. We manually labeled all of these photos with the AI assessment results of like eyes, focus, expression and all of that kind of stuff. And we put it in front of users just to like, see would they actually want this if it existed we didn't go out and build all the ai up front um and so we were able to kind of like yeah just like just test that theory um and i'd you know focus on your absolute core product the thing which really defines you and try and not do anything else (laughs) basically in those early, early, early stages. Cause it's so easy to be distracted with like, we need the best, like, I don't know, payment system or email EDM tool or like, you know, all the other bits and pieces that live around the outside of a product. But you really just want to like, just in those early days have like, you want to be so product led. You want to have like something which, yeah, you believe will so deeply solve that problem, which you're trying to solve for. And just have kind of, you have all your focus on that. And if that starts to get traction, because I think there's so many people that what they, they're, they're kind of, it's easy to fool yourself into thinking that you've got a great idea that everybody would want, but just because you think that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So the only way that you can validate that is to actually get people using it. And so you just need to make that happen as quickly as possible. And your validation of if you're working on the right thing or not is if people are saying, like, I couldn't live without this, basically. So James, would you say that you were you were willing to fail, like you were you were taking the risk and throwing it out there that this may come back and people say we don't want this? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, you, yeah. I mean, anyone who doesn't think like think like that is like um, gonna dig themselves into a hole somewhere at some point. You know, you're always. Well, I feel like that's like that's probably one of the biggest things that keeps people from doing it. You know, it's like, I just don't want to fail or I don't want rejection. And so I know there's a gap there, but what happens if I build this thing and nobody wants it? I feel like that's, that's definitely held me back from things um, in the past. Yeah. 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 And so you need to be able to answer that part of the question as early on as the process and be able to like iterate and change based off, you know, feedback. And so, you know, the concept for us is like, you know, how do we test that? Oh, well, we built it without the most complex part, <laughs> the AI. And we put it in front of people to see if they, you know, because I, I had this idea, like, well, what if we could have like these assessment indicators that like overlaid on the top of an image? Like, would that be annoying or would people like it? And like, if they did like it, would, you know, like, I don't know. Well, if they didn't like it, how else would you build that? You know, would there be a, another way that they would want to engage in it? Um, you know, and we, and we showed it to people and it turns out they, they loved it. You know, they, they were more than happy to have these like things imposed over the top of their photograph because it gave them like so much deep insight um, into what was happening. 
Um, but maybe they would have said this is dumb. <laughs> and then we would have gone back. We would have been early enough to go back to the drawing board and like take that feedback on board. Mm, just just collecting that data. I, this is wildly relevant to where we are right now. I, um, I know you don't know this, James, but we're, we're working right now on building a platform out for, for Photoco um, that is, that's taking it completely off of meta and away from social media in general. And it's our own home. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, this it's, it's a vision. You're right. It's, it's something that my, my leadership team is on me on a daily basis, right? Like paint, paint the vision. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But I'm realizing that, um, that everything that you just spoke to, it, it still comes back to curating it hundred percent still comes back to, you know, just because we can provide a million photos to our clients doesn't mean that we should provide a million photos to our clients. And just because I can create a platform that allows us to offer all of these different angles of education and training doesn't necessarily mean that we should. And, and so, you know, coming down the siphon to what it is that's that is most relevant to the people that we're speaking to. What is it that we want to say? And I, and I think that that's probably the key thing that you guys have done best is saying, this is exactly who we are. Uh, and then because you know that sentence, you know how to finish that sentence, you allow people to also understand who you aren't. Yeah, and so just so that I understand, like you're, you're building basically like a platform or community outside of Facebook where people can like, engage in a similar way to what's happening. Yeah, right. Okay. So what you need to do is you need to kind of like ask this question is like, what is the most likely thing that could cause this vision to fail? And in your case, it might be like people just aren't willing to use another product. They just want to have one place where they, you know, open up their phone at the end of the day and they just, you know, fall into that screen and that's just where all the conversations happen. And so like, if that is the one thing which might cause you to fail, that's the one thing that you need to be testing as early as possible is can we convince people to use another product to like engage in the community? And so you need to ask yourself like, how do we build the most, like with the least amount of work, how do we test that theory? Like what is the most smallest, most basic thing that we can create that would validate that to be true or false? Um, and it might just be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. You have to spend some time about it, but like thinking about it, like what, what would be a thing that people would like kind of, it might just be like one thing that's happening inside a Facebook group that they would be willing to do in a different place. Okay, well, my mind is blown. I've got <laughs> nothing else. I, questions are done. I'm going to send you this, um, I'll send you this article by, um, do you know why Combinator? It's kind of like one of the biggest uh, sort of like startup incubators based out of San Francisco. And they've got so many, so much resource around this, but there's this article called the art of shipping early and often. And it's basically just talking about this problem. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, forward it. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd hey, love to, I'd I'll, love to put I'll, a note in the show notes to that as well. Cause again, I think that'll be relevant to people that are listening mm-hmm. to say like, Hey, here's, here's one of the things that's, that's keeping narrative pushing forward. Well, what, so what, what's next for you guys? I mean, it seems like the narrative wheel is always turning <laughs> like with problems. So like, what, what do you guys see in the future? Like what's the next five years look like? Yeah. Well, like our long-term goal and vision with narrative is that when you want to become a professional photographer, there's two things that you need. You need a camera and you need narrative. Um, that's like, that's our, that's our long, that's our vision. Um, 
And why do you need narrative? Well, you need narrative because it's the software that actually understands you, you know? Um, photographers have this like love hate relationship with the tools that they need in their workflow. And you're just like, Oh, it's like, I have to have it, but like, (laughs) it sucks. (laughs) And we want, we don't want photographers to pick up our software and and think that like, you know, we talk about this often, like we're, we're at the center of our company are photographers. And we talk about how we're made for photographers by photographers. We really understand those things that matter. Um, which is, you know, like why we invested so much time in making select fast, because we know that like, although you want the AI assistance, you actually just want everything to appear instant. So, um, yeah. So, you know, piece by piece is, is a long journey to get there. Um, and we're still very much focused in, in select because there's like, we're just experiencing insane growth here right now. We're, um, select processes images at a rate of a billion images a year, um, which is a number which is quite hard to fathom. Um, but there are 9 million photographers worldwide and we've only scraped the surface of that. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely like the fastest growing dedicated image selection tool for photographers right now. And, um, you know, we can like capture this, a large portion of this market over the next few years. Um I'm not sure when you're going to, when will you release this? Uh, A couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think next week. Yeah. So sometime soon after um, you release this, uh, there'll be another update to select coming out, which will make it available to a lot more people (laughs) than have been currently being able to use it. Um, Yeah. So keep an, keep an eye out for that. We've got like a bunch of really um, epic features that we're releasing in the short term. Um, with like a long term, like we spend a lot of time, like a big part of what we do is just like research and development and trying to work out, you know, how do we really move the needle in big ways? Um, yeah. And so can't speak too specifically <laughs> about kind of what that will look like. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> put you on the spot. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Concerning. I love that vision. Yeah. Well, I, man, I, I'm so grateful, honestly, for both of y'all's input. This is such a, what a powerful conversation. I feel like we just kind of pulled the curtain back for people to be like, well, hey guys. Um, I mean, it's very rare to see a company um, that is as transparent um, with with their process. And, and James, to be like the CEO and the founder, but also to be... Um, the photographer, the creative that you are, like that's a that's a rare thing in this industry. I know we've had on this podcast early on. I think it was season one, Jared, that Rebecca was on here. Um, either season one or season two, but I remember at the time giving paying her this compliment where I, I said, you know, I realized that my relationship with Rebecca came through me being uh, affiliated with Narrative. But I didn't realize for weeks or maybe months, I was embarrassed to admit this at the time, that I'd never, I'd never bothered to click over and see her work. And then I saw her photography and I sat back just with my mouth open. I was like, oh my gosh, I had totally been speaking to this, this woman like she's you know, sitting behind a desk and her job is to take care of me, right? And then the exact same conversation happened with Kyle, right? He's he's on the other side of the call with me and he's like, yeah, let me interview you and kind of some stuff. I'm like, yeah, dude, hit me with your Instagram. And I look him up and I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> like, what? really, really good. <laughs> yeah, you um, both are. And 
James, did your your work far? It, it leads it leads your name. I mean, um, it's just special to have to have uh, access for for our listeners and for our community to people that are. Um, they're not just thought leaders in the industry, but they they know what it means to hold a camera on the other side of a shoot. And uh, so, thank you guys for being vulnerable enough to say, like, "Hey, let let us give you the optics as to what is coming." But then also, thank you guys for being genuinely for speaking the language of photographers. Um, it means a lot to have you guys in our corner. So, okay, well, so I know that I have, I was trying to find it here and I don't have it offhand, but I will, I'm going to post in the show notes. If you guys want more information about narrative um, and like all of my affiliate links and all that stuff, I, I'm going to find it. I'll, I don't have it offhand, but I'll post it below. below. Um, Cause I know we changed that, I think last year to make that more relevant for PhotoCo. But in the meantime, um, James, how do we, how do listeners connect with you and Kyle directly? Or, or how do they, if they have questions, if they have, you know, issues that they're coming up with, uh, both either in their calling mm-hmm. or with, mm-hmm. with narrative products, um, what's the best way to connect with you guys? Well, um, if, if, yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways. You, you're more than welcome to just find me a message on like my social, the narrative Instagram. But I kind of just had this idea. Maybe if we know when you're releasing this, we'll put something up on our Instagram story um, with like people can just fire through questions like, hey, do you have any questions about the, the podcast with Miles? Let's do that. Do people listen to it on the first day? Yeah. Um, they better. Uh, they sure we'll do better. that. And then, um, yeah. We also have a Facebook community group, which is um, just called Narrative Community. Jump in there. It's a great place to ask questions. Um, uh, if you want to do like a and a in your community with me, I'd be happy to do that. Any of the above. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, and what, what about you, Kyle? How do, we, how do we get on board the, the Kyle train? I feel like that, by the way, should be a t-shirt. I feel like you could actually <laughs> sell. Um, well, I'm Micro Jupiter on Instagram. It's kind of always been the case. Um, that's where I'll generally whine on the internet while posting really pretty pictures. That's kind of my MO. Um, <laughs> and then otherwise, uh, I'm on Narrative's page working with really fantastic educators like yourself, Miles, and trying to share some insight into the industry via the Narrative channels. So if you're super into the dark brooding, some somebody in your relationship just lost a Family member, I believe, yeah, is the way that you the put spectrum, it. If it's sad, I'm your guy. <laughs> if you're looking for frowning photos of brides and grooms in pretty places, like they're upset to be on a mountaintop, they're hard to find. Guy. We the got them here. Ones. If your first dance was to Dashboard Confessional, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Please scream. Honestly, though, can I get some Dashboard Confessional first dances? I'd be totally down for that. Yeah, sure. I, I say that as though my wife and I did not dance to Stolen on our wedding day because we did. Kyle, thank you for our wedding photos. They're beautiful. Um, yeah, okay. Well, this is usually when I know that the episodes are over because we've all just... <laughs> just seen it. Drank, drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, hey, thank, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Uh, hey, listeners, by the way, guys, as, as we kind of wrap this whole thing up, do, do me a favor. Um, we, if you're in the small groups or in the large groups, you know, that, um, in over the course of this last week, we, we asked you guys to do us a, a, a challenge to really take on the challenge of, 
um, articulating your story better. Uh, whether that is via blogging or via um, your social media network, we're, we're really tasking you guys as a community right now to say your story, your story, as the creative, as the artist, needs to take a front seat to your brand. Um, I would love to challenge you guys, uh, the, the listeners, as you hear this, to take this as a, the next step in that challenge and say, consider bringing on a, a partner, whether that is narrative um, or another uh, calling process, whatever that looks like for you guys. But consider bringing on a process that will allow you to make your story and, uh, and, and your place in your brand um, front and center and will take the calling process um, out, out of the back of your head and bring it forward. Let's start curating who you are as an, as a creative and uh, and the the voice that you're using to speak to your clients. And let's bring the brands that you partner with into that intentionally. Um, so again, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with who knows who. At this point, we haven't worked it out. Uh, this might be the last episode ever as good as this was. Yeah, mic drop. Thank you.